0: How are you? Welcome to the Candle of Tales podcast. My name is Aaron.
1: And my name is Erica. And this is not actually a chat episode. This is just an intro. But we're doing it because we're on the road and I don't have my script. So I can't remember have, what to say.
0: We don't have scripts. So we're just going to wing it as an intro. Stay tuned for the story of the Battle of Entry. We're going to yes. release this because we were on the road bringing this story all over. And we brought it to the Kulturnan in Newmarket. And Leo, the sound man... Who was, a very who was also man.
1: a sound man Recorded <laughs> it For us From the desk And it sounded Really nice So we wanted to put it up As a podcast Also because It is Bealtaine That is why We are on the road We are heading down yeah. To a Bealtaine Which will be Last weekend By the time you hear this uh, To but, perform no. This same story I, and, and the and fires
0: Are getting lit On the 6th of May All over the country As well In Nishnock And in Tarn There's loads of people Doing loads of stuff And it's fantastic to see And it's it's the resurgence Of the other Big Celtic Festival on uh, yep. the opposite side of the year to so, and never knows what Halloween. And now we want to try and remind people that Bealtaine is the other side, where the veil the is other thin. Side.
1: So watch out for the thin veil, uh, the holy land of Ireland that is full of holes that you can just fall through to the other side any time if you are not paying attention. It's very holy. And enjoy the
0: first half of this story, and we will be back
1: next week with part two.
0: And the music for this episode are played live by Cullen Farrell and Alan Home.
1: Yeah and they did an absolutely fantastic job with Barron playing by Aaron and I did a big boomy drum sometimes. I did a boomy drum. A drum. drum. It wasn't mic'd up you might not be able to hear
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you as well for those who are supporting us on patreon.com you can go over to patreon.com for such kind of tales to help chip in in that and we are so grateful for you for helping us out and without further ado.
1: You know what we're gonna tell you a story so enjoy.
0: How are we getting on that was just our little sound check to make sure you could all hear everything can yeah. you hear me okay yeah. it's a big mad echo in the room and it's mad up here you know here.
1: what there isn't we had this conversation when we were here earlier there's a big mad echo on stage Yeah, yeah, yeah but down the room it doesn't sound as echoey i hope hands up if it sounds echoey actually no, good? It sounds good, it sounds good. good. Right.
0: lovely. Well, how are you getting on? We're Candlelit Tales. Uh, my name is Aaron, and this is my sister, Sorica. And uh, someone accused us recently of lying about being siblings. Yeah.
1: Like, ah, why would we do that? We were, we were accosted by a lady in Ashford Castle going, you're not really related, are you? You're not really related. That's got to be a gimmick.
0: That's a, that's a stage she, thing, isn't she,
1: it? She did not believe us. Um, <laughs> like, but we really are. We're even from nearby. We're even from Tower, so... Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so yeah, we're delighted to be here. Thanks Amelian for Katie for get, have, getting on to us on Mill Street um, Arts and Culture Group, I think it was. Uh, I got the name wrong. But anyway, it's, we're delighted to be here. And uh, delighted that you all came out of a Thursday evening. So you're like, yeah, It's great to have School you here. night. Um, so, look, we tell stories. Uh, I suppose it was the only way for her to shut me up when I was younger. Yep. Uh, she'd tell me stories. And the best We call it stories. a
1: qualified success. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the best stories are the ones that last the longest, uh, in our humble opinion, anyway. And, uh, yeah, that's why we keep on telling the old stories. There's always something to fish and find, and uh, they tend to be more significant at different times of year. And so you follow the Celtic calendar, and suddenly... You land in some form of story that takes place around that time. kind of might make sense for your life or that bit of time you're going through or just the seasons. So tonight...
1: So tonight we're telling a story because we're coming up to Bealtaine, which is uh, May Day, which in the old Celtic calendar was almost equal to Samhain. It It was the other half of the year where the veil is thin and the other world is imminent and everything can be kind of upside down for the night. Um, and fires were lit and celebrations were had and stories were told. So we're going to tell you the story that starts around Bealtaine and lasts <laughs> a whole year and probably ends around Bealtaine as well if it started around Bealtaine. So uh, it we is We only take about an
0: hour and there will be a break. Yeah, so.
1: yeah, it's not going to take us the whole year. We will talk to you about, for about 40 minutes and then there'll be a break and then we'll have a second half.
0: The highlights, the uh, highlights.
1: Yeah, 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 you know, the story, the story doesn't last a year. The battle lasts a year. And that battle is called the Battle of Ventry.
0: And it starts with the Fianna. And the Fianna were out training with Fionn Macool, by the Corra, the Flat Plains, where he'd watch from the hill of Allen, And he would train the best warriors, the Fianna, the women and the men alike, in the ways of the Fianna. The training, the single combats, the feats, and the rigorous tests that they'll go through on a daily basis. And only the best could join the Fianna, and only the greatest would choose that path. It wasn't always an easy path to follow, giving up land possession, taking no ownership, living to choose to lead, be led by Fionn McCool, the fearless leader of the Fianna, and to be led all over the place up to the wild lands in the north and the west and the bog lands in the the midlands and you'd never get out of there but you'd finally do and all the flat plains and beautiful farmlands of the east and down into Munster and well sometimes they'd land in Dingle Bay but on this particular day they were up in Curragh and Fionn McCool was training them and they were training in a speed race. And the greatest of the heroes of the Fianna were there. His own son, Oshin, who you might remember went off there to Tirnanong, but This is before he left. And his son as well, Oscar of the Many Feats. So called because he had learned so many great feats that he was called Oscar of the, the, many, many, of the many Feats. feats. Yeah. There were many of them. The very, very good names then. And, well, he was fairly courageous and he'd done so many great deeds at such a young age. There were many stories told of Oscar's great feats and defeats. Well, he always bounced back. Having bounce-back ability was key in the Fianna, you see. Quilt grown-on, the thin grey man. Fastest of all, it was said he would, could pick up a grain of sand from every beach all over the land in one single day and arrive back the king of Tara and still display all of these grains of sand and well there was another man there Khan Critter who's newly arrived hello welcome sit down. and he newly arrived to the fina and well, he'd no stories yet told about him, but he was in awe of the heroes all around him. They'd done so many great things. And Fionn McCool, the brilliant warrior with his unbreakable shield and fierce sword, with Bran and Skola and the mighty hounds by his side. And always he would give them the choice to follow his orders. And always the Fianna chose to follow. And one evening they were gathered around the fire and Fergus Fionn Vale, Fergus of the Sweet Speech. Well, he was another one of Fionn's sons. He had a few. But he was telling a few stories of the great fights against the King of Lachlin and how the wars were passed and how they spent the summer evenings, all of them out watching the stars, not sleeping indoors. And when winter came by, then they'd be in the house of the kings telling such great stories of battles gone by at this time, he was talking about how one might get into the Fianna.
1: Now, they had all been through these tests themselves, but they always liked hearing about it. Because it would just remind them how skilled they were. How they had taken on that challenge and overcome it. You see, the first test to get into the Fianna was to have your hair tied in seven braids. Because it, hair was important. And then you would be chased through a forest by all of the Fianna. And if you broke a single twig, or disturbed a bird, or messed up your hair, you could not join the Fianna. And then the second test. Well, there would be a pit dog, so that only your head and shoulders were sticking out of it. Hair still in the seven braids, and you were given one pole to defend yourself with. And the rest of the Fianna would throw slings and stones and daggers and missiles at you. And if you had one scratch, one bruise, or if you messed up your hair, you wouldn't be allowed into the Fianna. The third test was to run as at a full sprint across the flatland, jumping over a stick held at the height of your neck, under one held at the height of your knee without slowing down while turning around and pulling a thorn from your heel without messing up your hair. And after passing those physical tests, there were still the tests of sweet speech and poetry. You still had to recite the old tales, the old poems, so well that you would bring the Fianna to tears. And if you did all of this, you were allowed to join the Fianna. But not everyone who passed joined, and not everyone who joined stayed. Because you see, Fionn McCool was the kind of leader who trusted his followers. Once you were in, you were in. If you managed to get into the Fianna, as far as Fionn was concerned, you were sound. You had good judgment, because you tried to join his club, and you were good at what you did, because you would managed to get in. So Fionn would tend to leave people to make up their own mind. He might assign a task here or there or a quest, but he wasn't much of a micromanager, and some people really like that. It was Fionn's opinion that the greatest people need that kind of leadership to thrive. But for some people, Jesus, it was fierce confusing. Because did he want you to do it this way or that way? And, And you might want, like, a deadline or something, or a bit of clarity. Like, you know, don't let anything from the other world get out, unless it's sound. Well, what does that mean? How do you tell? Sometimes the creatures from the other world look nice to begin with. So some people found this confusing, difficult, relying on their own judgment to make decisions. And one such man who was not long in the Fianna was Gloss McDrowan.
0: Now, Glass wasn't necessarily a bad person, he just frequently made a lot of mistakes. He was the type of fella who was constantly making up for the previous mistake by blundering through three more mistakes, trying to attempt to not tell anybody about the first one at all, and making things ten times worse. Yeah. We all know that.
1: Never met anyone like that myself. Has that? No. Not familiar.
0: So he was harmless until he Until he wasn't. <laughs> great, great harm. And it was, you know, Glass's opinion, if someone asked him a question, if there was something in it for him, then he'd probably answer the question as long as he was getting something for it. And when the High King of Ireland, Cormac MacArthur, asked him some very direct questions about the goings-on of the Fianna led by Fionn Mccool, he kind of knew he shouldn't really tell him. He also kind thought no harm in doing it and buttering the bread on both sides. After all, the king did have an awful lot of mead and he thought he wouldn't mind a drink. So, you know, he began to drink his fill and tell him all the things he probably shouldn't be telling him about. And sure enough, as he realised, this being Cormac McCart that Glass had a loose lip, he filled that lip up with more and more. And before he knew it, he told the king everything he knew about the going on of the Fianna at the time. And when he woke up the following morning, he realised that Jordan really didn't get on with Cormac, and he was now in the precarious position of being well...
1: technically a
0: traitor. Technically, I suppose, if you technically. want to call it a name. He didn't really like the name, though. He thought maybe he, he could leave for a while, go away, where he wouldn't get killed by anybody. You'd call him such terrible names, like a traitor or something like that. Anyway, he had a very bad hangover and a sore head and he felt very sorry for himself. But he was a brilliant warrior, and so he went off to the continental Europe, huh? He went off and he sought his fame out there and when well, he joined many well Mercenary
1: mercenary armies. Mercenary.
0: Hey. <laughs> Four words of crashed at the same time. there. So he went off to join a few battles and well he he was a brilliant warrior after all being in the Fianna. He had to be strong and fast and lean and clever and quick and all of these he had brilliant attributes in the physical sense. Mentally maybe not so much. Then again He he was doing very well for himself and there was a lot of wars in Europe at the time. A lot of kings warring with other kings and he began to notice a fairly current trend. Uh, The people that were with the king of the world, or so he called himself, Dara Dunn was his name, tended to always win. And the kings on the other side were fairly annihilated and destroyed.
1: Well, if they offered resistance. A lot of them didn't.
0: A lot of them didn't. And he began to hose you up to the good side, the big side, the better side, the winning Side. And well, it wasn't long before he managed to find himself into the front of a battle where the king of the world, Daradun, saw an army coming towards him that didn't lay down their weapons and he unleashed an unbeatable army. The army of the dogheads and the cat heads. So called because they, well, they, they had dogheads and catheads. I think they got it, yeah. yeah didn't I wasn't going to say.
1: They're fairly literal about all yeah. of this stuff, you know, back in the day.
0: The naming technicalities weren't very difficult. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So. dogheads had dogheads and the catheads had catheads.
0: He was beginning to realise why it was that everyone was putting down their weapons rather than face the king of the world and just call Daradun the king of the world. Fine, don't eat me with your terrifying army, he would say. And, well, glass being glass, he managed to talk to the right few people to get into the right few corners. And then he managed to, unbeknownst to how exactly he did it, arrive into the very inner circle of the king of the world and one day he was sitting down amongst many other kings and queens in the entire room of the war council of the king of the world
1: now the king of the World, dara he was not a young man at this point but he was strong and a little bit cold And he just kind of had a manner that Gloss found a bit off-putting. You know, he'd look right through you, as if he was counting something in the back of his mind, always. And you didn't know if you were in the plus column or the minus column. And so on this particular day, he said, you're from Ireland, aren't you, Gloss McDrowell?
0: Huh, mm, me? Uh, Yeah, I am, yeah. That's the one, yeah. He said.
1: That's um, it's a country I've never con- conquered. Oddly enough, right. it being so small. Ah, uh, yeah, tiny. Yeah. Irritating. Tell me, there's a king in Ireland, isn't there? A high king. He has pretty. Uh, he has everything pretty sewn up, doesn't he?
0: Oh, <laughs> Jesus don't know. Up. No, geez, no. I mean you couldn't really be ruling Ireland anyway it, it, It's as bad as a bag of spiders Like, I mean there's a king in every hill And they're all fighting amongst themselves The high king in Ireland is only really a, a placeholder He's kind of like a, a peacekeeping governance I suppose He's only really used for ceremonial purposes Like cutting the big banners and stuff You know like opening super values up. But uh, really you know. interesting
1: hmm? So Lots of warring factions you say that's, that's very
0: interesting. I mean... I, Tell me more. It wouldn't be too bad, only for the fact that the Fianna are there. If the Fianna weren't there, you know, it would be terrible altogether. But like, Fionn McCool, the greatest hero of all, earth, you know, leading the most deadly army, there's no reason why, uh, you know, you couldn't understand that Cormac MacArthur and Fionn wouldn't see eye to eye having a big mercenary army more powerful than the king in the whole country. And there, There's a bit of a, you know... So the mercenary
1: w- army and the king are at odds... Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the many smaller powers
0: are in flux.
1: So, it's never really been invaded, Ireland, has it?
0: Ah, yeah, loads of times. But sure, the Fianna always fight them off.
1: Good, Good for them, I suppose. And tell me, why do you think the Fianna have had such great success?
0: Oh, well, you know few reasons Fiamma Coo is very good and very, very fierce warrior I mean also Ireland is very hard to invade like I see the way you bring in loads of ships you land them down there on the, on the coast of the countries and you unload massive amounts of arms you see the west coast of Ireland is bonkers there's cliffs and wind lashing and sure you'd be mad trying to land a fleet of ships that size in Ireland like be, be bonkers be mad totally mad I've heard yeah I suppose it could be done like technically there's a few spots if you were looking for it say more? have to know the spots there's very few really like I mean if you went up to Donegal but sure, the whole coast there you'd be flown up against the cliffs of war in no time I mean the one white strand that I could think of now is down in the south and you wouldn't have to be circumnavigating the country like you know what I mean like you just can land in there nice and quiet on a good evening like you know uh on a bad one Uh, a storm might blow you off away but I tell you there's a good nice strand huge now down down in Dingle on that peninsula now yeah tucked away there easy enough access into Munster and you could bring it the whole whole way in there now if you wanted it's a hypothetical you know what I mean
1: so that's decided then my war council that's decided make your preparations send for your armies the king of the Tiber send for your sorcerers daughters sorcerers king of France king of Spain king King of the marches yeah and we will invade Ireland oh and so it was The king of the world called on all of his vassal kings to gather up their armies, to put in their provisions and to get into their boats. And under Gloss's direction, they sailed for Ventry Bay. That nice white strand, that nice calm bay. And in the holes of all those ships, everyone on board could hear... Strange snarling, hissing noises from the cat heads and the dog heads. But as they sailed, they sailed straight into the teeth of a storm. Now Dara Dunn was pretty sure that this was really going to be the only challenge that they had. He could probably find his way in and play these different powers off against each other in Ireland and he didn't think they'd put up much resistance one way or another. So they sailed on.
0: Now word had gotten to the Fianna and Fionn and that there was some form of invading army coming towards and there was something coming. And so Fionn did what he always did when he knew there was an invasion coming and he sent out messengers to all of the coast, the fastest, to Dardan, his most trusted of messengers, to Quilter, the fast thin man, Oscar Oshie, and his own sons, every one of them, including Khan Critter, the newly joined. And he was all sent all the way down to, you guessed it, Ventry Bay. And he was there looking at the White Strand and he saw the sand dunes and Mount Brandon behind him before it was called Mount Brandon, it was called something else then, but anyway, he was looking around the place, it was all very lovely, and then he saw on the coast, he saw the, the clouds rolling together, the wind crashing against his face, the waves lashing against the coast, and he suddenly, he heard thunder roll over the waves, and as he heard and saw the lightning crack, rain flash, and winds crashing against him, the thunder that rolled now, he knew there was a storm coming in, and as the the rain came down so heavy it soaked his skin in mere moments he ran to take cover burying himself deep down into the ground by those big sand dunes and trying to shelter and hovel in a hole to keep himself some form of moist warm not moist
1: warm you don't want to be moist in a storm (laughs) he
0: was very moist already he was trying to stay warm but he couldn't he was very cold and He tried to close his eyes and let that storm build and pass him over. And in that drifty twilight night, he fell into a deep and dark slumber. eyes because there was not a bit of that bay. that was no not not a boat it was all a boat now
1: you could have walked across where the water would have been and not gotten your feet wet there were so many boats crammed in deck to deck
0: could walk from one bro to the next without even touching the sand. He had never seen so many boats gathered. His one job was to alert the Fianna who were gathering together in at Swim Two Birds. All there to get the note to go and fight wherever this invasion was landing. His one thing to do he had slept through.
1: His one chance to be a hero. He
0: was supposed to do to alert the Fianna, to tell them this was his one chance to be a great hero. He really only had one job. It was not to fall asleep. And it was hard to fall asleep in that storm, but he did it. He was lulled into that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, it's raining outside, that's nice. Sleeping it out. And we've all been there, it's a terrible feeling. The
1: Stop saying rocks. we've all been there. I, we've all been there. <laughs> Some of us haven't been there. Some of us set alarms.
0: <laughs> a.m. p.m. are very confusing all right so you know oh no it's the wrong one So he, he woke up and he was absolutely terrified his one chance to make a name for himself it's one chance for his name to be on the lips of storytellers after this night Fergus Fionn was supposed to be telling stories about him around the of fires but no no he'd messed it up and well he had an idea a great idea a panic-stricken idea which is how you know it's a very it's bad a great, idea yeah, no, it's they're the, the worst ideas, ideas you come up with when you're freaking out but he came up with a great idea that he thought was a great idea and he was freaking out he said I know what I'll do I'll pick up my shield and my sword and I'll go single handed and I'll face those and he saw fires burning and he realised there was a group out from the boats now pillaging and plundering the nearby forts and sending on cattle and sending on all of the provisions from these forts to feed the army below and he knew what he'd do He'd go herring off, single man, one against a hundred of them. And he'd, he'd make his name and he'd die trying. And they'd tell stories of how Con faced the king of the world on his yes. own. He wasn't sure who'd tell it because there was no Somebody one would it. figure it out, But presumably. somebody would figure it out. He was damn sure he, he had faith. From the forensic evidence. He had faith. He had faith this story would last And so he went tearing off As only a young man with a bad idea can do And he went tearing around the corners of the sand dunes And ready to throw his life away And suddenly
1: There stood three women Three young, rather attractive women Who looked up and smiled And rather creepily spoke in unison And said, ah, Con Crither it's you.
0: Now, if you've ever had someone talking to you from three different places at the one time.
1: Unnerving. Anyway, Con was a little bit unnerved.
0: Didn't know where to look.
1: But? They said, uh, We've heard of you. Me? We've heard stories about
0: you. What? And story? we
1: decided to help you. Sure, I've done nothing.
0: Sure, there's no stories about me. I just joined Athena. The only story that I have is that I just fell asleep when the king of the world landed his fleet of ships on Ventry Bay.
1: See? Men tell stories about death and glory. Women tell different stories. We've heard stories about you. And we've decided we're going to help you. All right. We've decided that you are going to survive this battle, no matter how long it lasts. See, we came over with the fleet. Oh. And we're going to create a healing well for you. And every day at the end of the battle, if you bathe your wounds, here you and one other. But you need to keep it a bit quiet because uh, we only one have so much healing magic to go around.
0: Just the one friend. So. Just
1: the one friend. Bring a friend. Jeez. You can have your wounds restored at the end of every day and go back into the battle.
0: Just thanks very much. That's, that's, that's a lot of help considering I'm on my own anyway. So, yeah, that'll be, that'll be a huge help. I appreciate it. Uh, nice one.
1: Yeah, yeah, no bother. So. Um... But also, because today is Bealtaine,
0: and
1: the veil is thin, and the magic is stronger, we can give you a little bit of extra just today. So if you run off into battle now, off you pop. We'll see you after.
0: Sure. I'll just carry on doing what I was about to do so and he went herring off into the battle fully blooded now desired delighted the fact that he would now have a pool to heal himself in and he saw the king of France Spain who was the king of Spain Always tricky between France and Spain. Now the King of Spain was there and he was gloating over having just robbed three forts in a row and barreling off all of the provisions to bring him back to the King of the World. And when he saw Con Criter, he froze, and he began to marshal his army to run away from Con Criter, what he saw back
1: on the ship, Dun, the King of the World, was shocked to see the King of Spain and his whole army turning tail and running away from one single Irishman, who did look a little crazed, but not crazed enough to scare away a whole army. And so he called Gloss McDrowan to his side and he said, who, which of the heroes of the Fianna is that? Is that Fianna McCool? Is that Oscar of the many feats? Why are they running away from one man? But Glass didn't recognize this one.
0: Gloss just looked at him and said, Jeez, I don't know who that is, it's not Oscar, it's not any of them, I don't know who it is. I've never seen him before. He's a young fella, but I don't know what's going on. go find out. So Glass went down and jumped onto the ground, and as he saw the King of Spain running away, he saw this man was surrounded by a ferocious army. And then he he got back on the boat, and then... No army. army. Disappeared. And then he did what only I can imagine is a kind of foot-on, foot-off, foot-on, foot-off situation. Army there, army not there, army there, army not
1: there. It was a magic spell magic spell. It was a magic spell? It's a magic spell. An illusory army backing up Con Critter as he chased off the King of Spain from more raiding and pillaging.
0: And Glass said, well, it is Biotan and after all, you can't be trusting your senses. So he got down onto the beach and walked towards this hero, of the Fianna, that he did not recognise. And he said, how are you? Uh, who are you now? And well, Con Critter stopped, shocked to hear an Irish voice. And he said, who am I? Who the hell are you? You just led the king of the world here. And Glass turned around and said, oh yeah, that, um, look, we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, tell me your name there, young fella. He said, oh, my name's Con Crither. I'm from Taralucra. Brand's my father, the king up there. And Glass said, no way, I'm from Taralucra. And Glass said, no way. Con said, yeah, that's mad.
1: So they were cousins. As it turned out, that went on for a while. You know the way it is. Jesus. Do you know your you man, know man who's related oh, to your yeah. one who knows his Down, no way. down the road from Swat's face. Oh, at least they were done. first cousins.
0: Oh, no was, was way. What it no, they're dead. They're dead now. Oh, yeah, geez, that's sad. Okay. Ah, well. So they exchanged stories. And uh, then they went, Asher, oh, sure, that's why you sound exactly like me. It's yeah, all yeah. making it's sense. It's not
1: because Aaron can only do one voice and many accents. <laughs>
0: Excuse me. <Too> <laughs> well, I said many
1: accents. You, do, you can do at least three. Um... Yeah. <laughs>
0: So they exchanged stories and realized that they were from the same place and, and they'd they, they both joined the Fianna. and Glass explained that he had, well, kind of messed up with Fionn and kind of told the king all the secrets of the Fianna and had to run away because he'd get killed by Fionn. Can Critter looked at him and said, don't you know Fionn's a sound fella? Don't you know that you could have just gone and talked to him and he'd have probably, you know, punished you or something. But like he'd, he'd have he'd sent had- you on
1: a quest. Yeah. He'd have made you get something from the two of the Danon,
0: but like... Or something like... You might have had to risk your life, but it would have been grand. Anyway, he's sound, you should have just some that. Now, you can still turn tail and fight with me, because I'm on my own. And I can do it with a hand, to be honest. And Glass said, you know what? That's exactly what I'll do. I love turning coats and changing colours. Yeah. And, and flipping around. So yeah, let's do it. Right. I'll just go up and have a word there with the king of the world.
1: Just to be on the up and up. So he came back to Dunn and said that he was going to change sides... And Dara looked at him, and Glass got the distinct impression that he was being moved from the plus column into the minus column. And the king of the world said, all right, that's fine. I'd like you to come back at the end of every day and tell me who of the Fianna has died. And if you do that, we'll say no more about it. And Glass agreed to this, and asked the king of the world to send out Two warriors. For himself and Concretor to fight in parallel single combat. Double combat? Something like that. Double single combat. Double single combat. So the singles and the doubles. They went out and they fought against two warriors of the King of the World's army. And they won. And the next day another two were sent out. And the next day another two after that. And the third day, Dara Dun, Fionn's messenger woman, turned up at Ventry. And said,
0: what are you doing? (gasps) We're fighting the King of the
1: World. No, I I see the army of the King of the World. Yeah. Your job was to see where they landed, and then come and get the rest of the Fiona.
0: Oh yeah, we forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. You did. We, we're we're doing the single double combats.
1: She kind of hopped their two heads together lightly, ow, ow. just to say, "Oh my God!" Right. I'm going to go get Fionn and the Fianna from its Swim Two Birds. Great idea. I suppose you two keep doing what you're doing. Although, Sound.
0: honestly, lads, God. Oh, wait, before you go, before you go. No, Khan Critter had a solemn look on his face. Because each night they'd been going and healing themselves in the, the King and the Daughter of T- Tiber's healing pools. And both Glass and Khan had been healed and renewed every time they went back into the fighting. And even still, Khan and Glass... They were worried for the sake of Ireland because they heard the sounds from the bellies of those boats and the growling and the snarling and the baying for blood from the catheads and dogheads. And Glass had told Khan all about it. No matter how well they did in their single fighting, there was no standing against the king of the world and this army. So Khan told Dardov to go to his father.
1: Dardov, actually. Dardova is what I said. Daradun is the king of the world. Dardova Dar- is, is, uh, is Dar- the messenger. Not Everybody in this story has, has a name that begins with DD and it's really confusing.
0: Dollar Dorfa. No, he's next. No,
1: he's, he's in the second half. He's, we're not at Dollar Dorfa yet. Uh, yeah. No, no.
0: There's a test. Dardova. Dardova Dar- sure is, I mean? no, Dar- is the
1: messenger. Uh, d- no, Dardova is the messenger. Daradun is the king of the world. Jesus. Anyway,
0: the young fella, anyway turned to your one and said, "Listen,
1: that's what we're doing very that. important
0: message for you, right? Go to my father, Bran McFowl, and tell him he has a favour to call in with the other crowd. And we know it's a bit risky and all, but he might know the right mound to go to to speak to one of the she under hill. And if he can get any form of attention there, beg them to give us a hand. Because I'm not going to lie, we're we're up against it, like." Now would be a great time for uh, intervention. So,
1: Dar Dove, Fionn's messenger, she said, all right, I will. And on her way back to its Swim Two Birds, she called in on Bran McFiowl in Tara Lucra, And she said to him that his son was in trouble, his son who had left his family and joined the Fianna, but still his son. And Bran McFiowl said, all right, leave it with me. I'll put a few strings, I'll shake a few trees, I'll see what turns up. I'll make you no promises. and So with that she had to be content. And she went off to get Fionn, McCool, and the Fianna. Now, in those days they didn't line up in rows and march to the sound of a drum. That was not how the Fianna travelled across the land. They lived outdoors from Bjeltina to Samhain. They lived off the land. They hunted, they fished, they were as at one with it as any human beings can be. And so when they walked through the land, it was like the countryside itself was moving. And that was what it looked like to the king of the world and his army from the decks of their ships. It looked like people started to melt out of the sand dunes and the tall grasses, out of the forests at the side of the coasts. And as they came, they were all of them speaking the same chant, strength of limb, purity of heart, deeds to match our words, the doored fian, the call of the fian. And as they arrived, well, you might have a second thought about invading a land that could come to life like that as they stood there and it seemed like the hills themselves were speaking (coughs) against the invaders warning them back warding them away and the (laughs) phoenix arriving at the beach well they looked up At the King of the World, they looked at those ships laid out across the bay. They could hear the snarling from underneath. But even they were not prepared for the fright they got. See, the King of the World had only been waiting for the Fianna to arrive, knowing that these were the only real opposition he was going to face. The High King didn't have much of an army. All those little provincial kings, he was not raiding them. But this was the Fianna, and now that they were all here, he gave the word. They opened the hatches, and out boiled and surged the inhuman army of the king of the world the catheads and the dogheads, gripping weapons in their hands like men but with faces of animals, with eyes blank and hungry, with no will of their own, with nothing in them but an instinct for savagery and cruelty and blood. And they came racing, howling, snarling up the strand towards the Fianna.
0: John McCool gathered all of them there then. And though he was a bit hoarse, because he'd been running for a long time. And he was out of breath. But he was clearing his throat. And he gathered them all together that day. And he said, we will not survive this fight. We can't. And we will face this fight together anyway. And as he tried to muster the enough energy to give one last speech to bring the valour back into the faena. He gave the signal to have a break. So
1: we're going we're gonna to take five. We'll be back. Thank you.
0: This podcast was produced and edited by Oisín Ryan. You can find out more about us on our website, Candlelit
1: And we're on all the social media, so like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelit Tales or send us a message to get onto our mailing list.
0: For more videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist. Hashtag Candlelit Tales.
1: Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash Candlelit Tales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website.
0: We also do really like to hear back from you you with any questions, requests or comments. Leave them in the section below. If you want to find out about our courses, anything like that, just drop us a line.
1: And we especially appreciate you listening.